to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert, it's all of it. Also, spoiler alert, we'll be discussing spoilers. As usual, here's your dang warning. I'm Ashley. And I'm Alex. I I felt like you were bringing in aggressive energy, so I was yes-anding you. (laughs) But, you know what, let's pull it back, because we're getting Hygge right now. There's no room for aggression in Hygge. No. Uh, so it's hot, it's hot here right now. Yep, it's... Oh, it's around 80 degrees. It yeah. was yesterday. Yesterday was pretty warm. Yeah, but it's sunny, it's nice, but you can still get hygge when it's hot out. It's not just a wintertime feeling. <laughs> we, we can try. We can try. I'm out of it. I ate too, too much garbage food yesterday, so I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. But we've got our respective teas. You're drinking the cold tea. I'm mm-hmm. drinking the hot tea. <laughs> but we got a candle. It's one of those Ikea ones. I don't remember what the smell is. but It's, it's like a sagey kind of one. Yeah, it's in a right. green. It's the one that Will picked out, right? I think so. I think so. But it's nice. It's nice to have a candle, mm-hmm. regardless of the smell. It's just <laughs> nice for it to be fire. That should be our new business venture. It's just... it's. <laughs> The, the the tagline is, it's just nice to have a candle and there's scentless candle. It's just nice to have a candle. You know what? That would honestly be more hygge than a scented candle. The Danes don't really like scented candles. Well, and also like what's more cozy and like just for the purpose of being cozy than like... Just fire. And it's just like not useful for anything. No. Just light. It's just nice light. light. Just nice light. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to just have a little fire over there. It's just pleasant to see. I'm just thinking of that TikTok you showed me, the vibes one. Oh my God, that's so good. Like, y'all, I don't remember what this dude's... It's it's the the, the house of vibe and this Karen is on track. It's incredible. It's it's incredible. Did you watch any of the other ones? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. The, the Karen ones. Hateration and holleration into the dancery. <laughs> The dancery. Is it dancery or, or dance hall? Dancery. I can't hear it. Is da- I listen to it in headphones. It is dancery. <laughs> Hateration and holleration into the dancery. Yes. I love it. <laughs> Not a vibe. Racism is never a vibe. Not a vibe. The so, little like kush ball hat wig. It's so good. I know that y'all have no idea what we're talking about, but if you come across... This TikTok. We'll post it on the on Yes, the, the we will Twitter. share it on the Twitter. You must show, see the Twitter for once. Check the Twitter. It's gonna... It's gonna blow your mind. It's gonna change your life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. With that, let's do our five-minute masters. So, minutes before recording, we were just watching random YouTube stuff. As usual. Where the Wild Things Are came up. So, I'm gonna give you some facts about where the Wild Things Are. Ooh, I love that book. I do too. It's one of my favorites. And same with movie. Um, same was, with movie. Same with movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was originally where the wild horses are. Maurice Sendak's book? He he was going to do where the wild horses are. And his editor loved it. It was like brilliant. But he realized he can't draw horses. No one can draw horses. That's the secret. Horses are an eldritch horror. It is impossible to draw a horse. No one's ever drawn a horse. <laughs> and certainly no one in like medieval times with all those like weird medieval cats. Oh my gosh, I love them. <laughs> um, so that's one fact. Um, 
the 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 wild things are based off of his relatives. Oh, cute. Mhm. With all their uh personality defects. <laughs> they're they're less so evident in the in the book. In the book they're mostly they're sort just of like monsters. a rabble. Yeah. yeah. They're just monsters. Whereas in the movie they have personalities. Um Wild thing is a reference to a Yiddish term. Oh. Uh Vildachaya? Hmm. Or wild animal in Yiddish. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Um It's it it I mean, one of the reasons it's had such lasting uh presence in our culture is because it's loosely based on his childhood. Um although the twist is he wanted to go to bed without dinner because he felt that dinner from his mother was punishment. Oh no. <laughs> because she was such a bad cook. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, oh yeah, that it was a nice change to 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 alter that detail to make it a little bit more. Yeah, and, and for most people, bed without dinner is a punishment. Absolutely. Yeah, unless you're like a really picky kid. Right. And then it's like I don't want to eat anything. I'll just you know photosynthesize. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what those kids do. I love eating. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a Wild Things opera. Oh. Um, which premiered in Brussels in 1980, which I would love to observe that because I love just the source material. So, um, the live action movie, I think one of the reasons it's so a, so good and B did really well is because it's, it was made for adults rather than kids mm. because it's been so long since the book came out and so many people grew up with it. Oh yeah. That's that, one of my like, favorite children's books. A kid is not necessarily gonna, I mean, it's a beautiful film, but it, it's, yeah, it's a family film at best, Yeah, but it, it really is more mature. It, it's more oh, for yeah. grownups. Oh yeah. There's some dark parts to it. I, uh-huh. I love it. Love the part. And it shocked me so much the first uh-huh. time I watched it where they rip the guy's arm off uh, and sand he's comes full out. full of sand. I was like, oh my god. That's so good. Yeah, it's so good. I know. Especially because they eat rocks. Mm-hmm. They've been eating rocks, so of course sand would come out. Of course. And also... You know, like when I eat and smoothie pours out of my arm. <laughs> <laughs> We're made of cake. It's fine. <laughs> right, right. Um, also, this isn't on this list, but um, Karen O did the, um, the soundtrack. Uh-huh. Um, uh, what, what's her band's name? I don't know. She has a famous band. Oh. Um, anyway, uh, it's a great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It's Karen O and the Kids because they had like a little kids choir group do all the songs with her. Yeah. Very, very good. And I think that's it. Oh, one wait. Last, oh, one last thing. Oh, yeah, just that he refused to write a sequel. It's like, yeah, you don't need a sequel. No, absolutely not. It's, it is what it, Yeah. It's about how sometimes you get big bad feelings in you and that it's okay and people still love you. Like but, that's but, but maybe don't run away about it. Right, but it's an imaginary runaway. Yeah. He At runs away in, in the, his own room. In in the in the book, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he actually runs away. But also kind of doesn't because it's Cuz it's imaginary. Imaginary. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's about sometimes you have big bad feelings and people still love you anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's normal to feel that way. Yep. That's it. It's great. And Catherine O'Hara's there. What she's got, we will take her wherever we can. And the Sopranos guy. The Sopranos guy. <laughs> I don't know his name. I don't know. Well, my subject I find very interesting, but it's a little drier. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, very recently, um, in uh, Britain, some there was a new uh, part of the Stonehenge Neolithic superstructure has been discovered. Okay. I thought you were going to say, like, appeared. And I was like, what? No, no, no. <laughs> it was just sort of recently Somebody understood and noticed. Somebody tripped over it. Not exactly. So the people knew these things were there. They just didn't know they were part of the whole, oh. s- like, complex. Mm-hmm. So um, most people are probably only familiar with Stonehenge itself. Mm-hmm. But there are other sites nearby that are sort of part of a larger Neolithic complex, which were almost certainly related to Stonehenge in some way. Uh, um, maybe you've heard of Woodhenge which is nearby, um, obviously doesn't exist anymore. It just sort of the site and the evidence of it exists. It's like Coachella. There's not just one stage at Coachella. Right. There's not just one thing at Stonehenge. Not just one henge. Not just one henge. We need more henges. <laughs> so there was Woodhenge, which was similar to Stonehenge, but These constructed out These druids needed wood. stages. They needed more. There's other purposes. Um, so obviously the wood doesn't isn't there anymore. It all rotted away centuries ago. But we know that it existed. And also um, nearby, the one that is less um, well known is Durrington Walls, mm-hmm. which... Uh, it's, it sort of overlooks, um, the River Avon, um, near Amesbury, Wiltshire. Love all these words. Love saying them. Uh, (laughs) but, um, it's, it's about, um, 76 yards north of Woodhenge, and it's almost two miles northeast of Stonehenge. Um, so it, again, is another thing that's like, it doesn't exist so much as the evidence of its yeah. presence exists. Um, but the interesting thing about Durrington Walls is that it um, is believed at this point to be used more for like ceremonies relating to life and was actually used as a living place for part of the year, like people would actually live there. Mm -hmm. Um, There's like animal bones and pottery that that has been found there and excavated. So like people were eating in this place, storing things. Um, Whereas Stonehenge is believed more to be uh, related to death. And it's sort of like in the materials themselves, like the wooden structure of Durrington Walls sort of symbolizes the the living, whereas mm-hmm. the stone of Stonehenge symbolizes the dead. Um, but there are these big, 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 big holes in the ground that are that were dug in almost a complete circle around Durrington Walls. So now, was it like an upside down Stonehenge? <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, they're 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 far. Okay, they're far. Um, and Durrington Walls is a pretty large area. Oh, okay. So it's not... Okay, got it. Got it's it. not just like a house. Yeah. It's, it's like a whole... <laughs> it's a community. Yes. Um, but the, there are these holes. Now, they're called the Aubrey Holes, I think, just named for the guy who found them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're... Uh, like, they... The interesting thing about these holes... So they're... I think they're about, like, 10 meters wide. Like, they're big holes but people just sort of didn't 
pay attention to them <laughs> because they're far enough away and spread apart enough that it's just like, is this a sinkhole? Yeah. Did someone dig this? No, they weren't Who sure cares? They, they, a lot of them have actually been um, presumably sort of covered up by like construction in the mm -hmm. area since, you know, modern construction. Um, but they're very uh, interesting in that they really do form an almost perfect circle around Durrington Walls, which indicates like, like just some more sort of impressive engineering ability of these Neolithic people. To measure. That they could measure them this, this accurately. Yeah. I mean, they're not like... Circles are hard. Right. Well, I mean, I guess you get long enough string and you're good, but like... Well, it, it, they <laughs> seem to have probably been measured by paces. Yeah. That they'd be approximately uh, 80 paces away. But here, here's like a map. You can see it, Alex. Oh, yeah. Of like these great they big holes. They to do a big cookie cutter in the world. <laughs> yeah. So they've got, there's these big so, holes. They're about. So they were, th was that hinge just there to show size in that image? Well, the yeah. The stone part. They so, weren't actually. Yeah, no, yeah, that's okay. just that. They, <laughs> like, they oh. weren't actually burying them? <laughs> yes, the, the image, it, ha it shows a Stonehenge structure within the hole for scale. Oh and also a human in the that hole for so scale. Um, but yeah, they're about... Those are big holes though, though. 10 meters in diameter, 5 meters deep. The little person's a little little. Really little. Really, really little. You could stack up about three people in there um, to reach the top. Um, so these are really impressive holes. And to imagine like Neolithic people digging them with like bone tools and stuff. Like that's wild. Um... But it's just a it's just a very new discovery. I believe it was just discovered like in June or something wow. like that. Somebody was like, hey, that's a thing. <laughs> these aren't just some holes <laughs> like these are like in a circle around Durrington walls. So this is related. I always think it's so funny when people are like, how did they do that? It's like they had literally nothing else to do but hunt for food like. yeah well and these were actually likely um at least partially agrarian mm -hmm. people so they were farming but the interesting thing and i hadn't really thought about this this is evidence that these people had a counting system it's weird to think about humans not counting but of course there was a time when humans hadn't invented counting yet yeah and certain areas in the world where it wasn't there like other places had it before other places. Right, of course. These are isolated communities. Um, but the this sort of is evidence that this that these early inhabitants of Britain had developed a way to count because probably they were done by tracking hundreds of paces. Well and also, like we already have evidence to suggest that they had astrology too. Sure. Or yeah. Because Stonehenge astronomy. Yes. Very different. Yes. But both I mean as yes, uh, astronomy, um, because the way that Stonehenge lines up with the summer solstice. Yes, yeah, mm -hmm, exactly. So it's pretty interesting, the sort of implications that something... So It's like, oh, it's just a hole in the ground, but it implies so much about these cultures and what they were capable of. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. So brand new breaking news related to Stonehenge. You heard it here first. Folks. Underground Henge. Yeah, it's pretty great. Well, and that's the interesting thing. I learned... Um, not very long ago, henge doesn't actually refer to the structure. That's not what the henge is. Mm -hmm. It's the ditch around the structure. Hmm. Stonehenge, the thing that you think of when you picture Stonehenge, that's a stone circle. The henge is the ditch surrounding it. <laughs> Crazy. Nobody knows this. Yeah. Why are people not talking about this? <laughs> Wake up, people. <laughs> Henges aren't what you think they are. <laughs> 
All right. So we're talking about a movie today. We watched a movie. And it's a good movie. I know a lot of people, there were people who didn't like it as much, but we enjoyed it. Well, I actually looked up reviews. Uh-huh. And people liked it. I think it got mixed reviews because there were definitely people who were disappointed in it. Well, they're wrong. They are wrong. It's good. Um, so we watched Dr. Sleep. We watched Dr. Sleep, which we wanted to watch when it came out, but... We just didn't. We just didn't. You know how it goes when you want to see a movie and then you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't do it. That's how the world works. Um, but we watched it and we we're loved delighted. it. We were delighted. Well, okay. So it, for those who maybe aren't familiar with it, I don't know who you are or where where you where you live that you don't know, but um, it is so. Doctor Sleep was a novel that was Stephen King's long-awaited sequel he wrote to The Shining. The Shining in seventy or 70, 77 is when The Shining came out. Doctor Sleep came out in twenty thirteen. Yes, decades <laughs> later, he wrote a sequel to. Is that thirty years? Approximately. Yeah, I'm bad at math. I'm a <laughs> teller. But, yeah, you're just a bank teller, you know. I use a calculator. It's fine. Um, we all use a calculator. But he was, I think at that point in his career, he was really asking his fans, what do you want to see from me? Mm-hmm. And they're like, what happened to Danny what when happened he grew to Danny up? Danny when he grew up? And he's like, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, and it is, you know, and it, it doesn't just feel like a cheap, you know, cash in on the popularity of The Shining. And of course, well, that he, would be crazy to do 30 years later. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. And it's, ne- it's like he has so many books, he, he could have done like 30 of those. Right. He So he, this this feels like a very thoughtful consideration into what happens to somebody after like they go through that trauma. when you take 30 trauma. years to write a book. Yes. Well, and you know, he's in such a different place in his life right. than he was when he wrote The Shining. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the basic premise. And okay, y'all. Spoiler, 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 spoilers. We this, say this. This one, this one, this movie is not as like, so we've been. It's not twisty. It's not twisty. And we've been giving a lot of like extra spoiler warnings lately because we have been talking about stuff that we thought was phenomenal. I wouldn't say this movie is phenomenal, but it's really fun and really good. And I would say more than fun because I think there are some really impactful, yeah. meaningful moments. Mm-hmm. It's not just a fun movie. Like it's thoughtful. Uh, but, you know, if you were interested i think it is worth going into um, i'd say especially if you like stephen king Uh uh-huh if you like the shining Mm -hmm. definitely both but you know it's not gonna ruin it for you to to hear this before seeing the film i don't think because so much of it is visual honestly Mm -hmm. this is a really visually pleasing it, it really is um and like we said it's not really twisty um so much as it is just sort of a like an exploration of how you grow up and work through trauma. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's what it's about. Yeah. It's about trauma. Love it. So basically what happened was Stanley Kubrick made a movie about The Shining and Stephen King hated it. Yes. Um, so that's the interesting thing because I, w- I want to read this book now because clearly the movie is drawing so much on the film when I'm sure that King's book doesn't. So I read up on it and the director, who I'm blanking on his name because I'm not great at names. <laughs> we Mike, all know Mike this. Flanagan? Sounds right. <laughs> After three years of this podcast, Alex, we all know you can't do names. <laughs> Mike Flanagan, perhaps. Um, <laughs> Sounds right. Sounds like a name. was smart because he knew that audiences would only respond to the Kubrick film. The Kubrick film. Because it's so ingrained in our culture at this point. It is an, like, an immense cultural touchstone. And I think 
I'm, or I'm, I'm almost certain that Stephen King knows that as well. Yeah, I'm curious what his more recent thoughts are. Because, of course, at the time, he was furious with this film. He yeah. hated it so much, he made a terrible miniseries about it. Right. Uh, but, like, surely he's grown yeah, up Yeah, so in then. discussions for this movie, the director was involving um, King. And basically, his goal was to combine both clearly he i mean obviously the evidence is there that he succeeded yeah but he was like i want to give stephen king the ending that he was robbed from sure and incorporated into the yeah we are gonna destroy the overlook hotel (laughs) damn it we're gonna burn it down we're gonna burn it down (laughs) um but at the, at the same time, he wanted to make the audience happy and also understand what's happening because the story is very different. Uh-huh. The story, especially from the Kubrick film, because The Shining doesn't have a lot of shining in it. Mm-mm. So much so, I was telling my mom about it today on our little hike, and she was like, there's psychic stuff in The Shining? Well, I mean, it's clearly there. Yeah, but it's like not the I, thing. Like, it's, I mean, yes, I guess so. It's more about the ghosts in the movie, you know? Right. But the the ghosts are waking up and doing their thing because yeah. Danny is special. But that's not necessarily immediate when somebody's remembering a movie they watch. Right. Know? Well, I feel like you have to completely forget about the scene in the pantry because Dick Halloran is like, yeah. hey, what's up, little boy? Yeah. I'm talking to you oh, yeah. in your mind. Mm-hmm. We both have well, psychic mind powers. Well, well, what people remember, though, is Jack, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. But it's, yeah. I mean, Fair. Audiences are imperceptive and forgetful. I think that Kubrick did do that in the movie, though. Yeah, but it's that's not necessarily what the movie explores, whereas Doctor Sleep is entirely an exploration of what is The Shining and how would it be in the world when not only one person has it. Right. Well, and but at the same time, it's not really about like how does it work? What are the rules right, of it? Right, cuz it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter and I'm so happy because it's like that would get so tiresome. It's more about like what else is out there. It's the vibe. <laughs> but you know, it's like clearly we know that there are and that's one thing that the Kubrick movie did not get into is what it is that is happening at the Overlook Hotel, why it is that this place is malevolent. And it's because of a crazy evil being. It's like a fucking manta ray, you know, in the way that like the the creature from it is like a big crab thing. And then there's also a turtle. This one's a manta ray. And it's an evil presence that is inhabiting this space and causing these evil things to happen. And even Dr. Sleep doesn't get into that because the director was like, People, People aren't, aren't ready get for that. that. They're not going to get it. They don't want to see it. If they want it, they can read the books. Right. Which is great. But so it's more just sort of like a haunting. It's like it's like Kubrick. a haunting with the place is feeding on... I want, uh, there's a lot of terms in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, fa- the place is feeding off of this... Like fear and trauma and hate. Yes. Yes. Of somebody with... Shining. The Shining. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I think that it would have definitely been a mistake to try to incorporate the really wild, out there Stephen King stuff, but it dips a toe. It, yeah. it, it, I mean, it has to. Especially with, like, the lockboxes. And, I mean, the psychic vampires. <laughs> so we should probably get... I feel like we're just sort of giving, like, little yes. weird... Well, we already said you should just watch the movie. But, yes, yes if you want to if you want to know what in the world we're talking about and you will not see the movie, 
So here is Ewan McGregor. Grown up Dan Torrance. He's a mess. He's an alcoholic. He has anger issues. He looks a lot like his dad. Yes. And then he moves to New England and fixes it all. He gets better. He makes a choice. And I love that that happens very early in the movie. Like he's at rock bottom and he's like, I have to do something. I can't live this way anymore. And the ghost of Halloran is sort of giving him a nudge in that direction. <laughs> Halloran's a ghost. Uh, and so, yeah, he moves to this little town and like cleans himself up, gets a job, gets into AA, gets an apartment. Mm -hmm. Like he turns his life around and lives for eight years like this. And he gets... He finds a job that he's excellent at. So I have to imagine that this part of the book is more prominent than it is in the film because it's what so. the book is named after. It's what the book's named after. And it's also like, as I was doing some research, it was the original impetus for what the plot was going to be. What what would somebody do with their shine in order to put good into the world yeah, and be a compassionate exactly. person? And so he what he like, does... Oh. Yeah, he works... As an orderly in a hospice, and he uses his shine to give comfort to people when they're dying. With the help of a cat. An angelic and beautiful cat named Azzy, and I love her. She's a perfect little angel. Oh my god. Might actually be an angel. Might be the angel of death. Maybe. <laughs> the film doesn't make this clear, but you know. Yeah, I mean. Very possibly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he just spends eight years being sober, you know, being a good guy and helping people pass on. Making a friend? Making a good friend. Bobby's so good. And he makes another friend via... Shine. Shine. Yes, a, a very good and smart and precocious little girl named Abra. Don't know about that name, Stephen, but okay. Oh, I just remembered a twist um, in the book. Oh. Do you want to know the twist about the book? Yeah. Okay. So it turns out that he's actually related to her. Oh. Hmm. His father had a, an like, illegitimate child so, with another family. So, so her she mom is, is his half-brother, half-sister. So she's she's actually essentially Jack's grand... Jack's so, granddaughter. Which, and in the movie, he's Uncle Dan. And really, he's actually, actually Uncle, Uncle Dan. Dan. <laughs> really, actually Uncle Dan. That's interesting. Right. I mean, very Stephen King, right? Yeah, and yes. you can see Jack. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he was a mess. Uh, so. Psychic vampires. Yeah, essentially. So there are these crazy psychic vampires. They, they suck the life force out of kids with shine because it's the tastiest life force of all. Mm -hmm. Um, little children. So they go around finding shiny kids, killing and them, murdering and them in violent ways because it yeah. makes because it, it makes pure. more steam. The steam, and it makes the steam purer. Ugh. Ugh, it's so gross. These psychic vampires, though. So when you say psychic vampire, it sounds cheesy. Right. These are not cheesy people. No, they're really cool. I they're mean, bohemian. Yeah, they're 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 a little bit like Lost Boys. Mm -hmm. Um, but then rather than like biting you, they just like suck Murder out you. your breath when and you're then dying. Can it? Yes. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting take on that idea. I think it's very cool. And and uh, Rose the Hat is the raddest. And they're they're a cult, and they're called the True Knot. The True Knot. Yeah, that's very interesting. I'm sure the book gets more into that. Right. But they, uh, so, oh, Dr. Sleep. 
Dan gets this nickname from the hospice patients. He's the doctor that helps them go to sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it doesn't really come back in the film, and I wonder. It. I if... mean, there's there's other things where like they're like forcing people to sleep, so it kind of makes sense, but not necessarily. It, it's tied not to like him. a theme. Yeah. Like yeah, I. It's I, just I... it's just the power of The Shining. Right, and so it feels kind of like an arbitrary title when it comes to the film, and I wonder if the book it feels less arbitrary. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but the these vampires get the scent of Abra because she's like the most, most most powerful shiner ever, and they want to eat her up. And so Dan realizes that it is t- up to him to keep her safe and to stop these evil beings. Well, it's actually her that's like. I need your help. Right. These people are gross. Right. Well, and he does just, he tells her first, like, just keep your head down. Right. You know. Because that's what he was talking Yeah. That's what he decided to do. Yeah, He's yeah. like, I don't, I, I just gotta keep it quiet and don't attract any notice. And that's what he tells Abbott to do. And then she's like, no, I won't do that. Yeah. And so then it becomes necessary for them to face the vampires head on. Because she fights back. Because And she's so strong. <laughs> this is, so... Yes, yes. There's some some really... That's the thing about Stephen King, and we talked about it while we were watching it. His imagination either translates really well to film or, or not at all. doesn't. So the steam was a little weird at first, but by the end you sort of get it. Yes. But when Abra lays her psychic trap for Rose the Hat... Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> So yeah, they do a cool. really good job with that sequence. It's a little out there. Um, it's very fantasy. It's ve- She's like astral projecting and then there's sort of like the library of the mind thing going on. Mm-hmm. And then there's a little bit of gore too when Ooh, her hand her gets hand. trapped. Uh, oh, it was such a good effect. Yeah, it was really nauseating. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there are some really great fantasy elements that work really, really well. Yeah. Uh, there are some things that come across a little goofy because mm-hmm. Stephen King can air that way when put onto film. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason why Pet Cemetery has never worked on film <laughs> because a a rabid killer zombie three year old it just doesn't doesn't work in a film. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Uh, but but yeah, and but the things that really it's like yeah that sequence was really fun and cool, but like the stuff that was so much more meaningful, you know, they're like the moment in the when Dan goes back into the Overlook, yeah, and it's it's recreated so well, and it just feels so right, mm-hmm. and it's like he's going in and he's facing his trauma, yeah, and that's what it's about. It's oh, it's so so good. So yes, they decide after killing all of the henchmen, the henchmen of Rose, they are going to um, lure her into the Overlook, which in this still exists because in the Kubrick film they don't destroy they it. They don't destroy it. They have condemned it. It's yes. Um, and so Dan and Abra go out to the Overlook, and. Dan goes in and spends some time in there waking it up. Yes. Um, before Rose arrives. And one thing about this movie that I really give it credit for because it is not a decision most Hollywood execs I feel like would make. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing the whole CG, the original actors in. Right. They don't do the deep fake thing like they Rogue completely One. completely. Just recast them. Recast the main characters in the first movie for flashbacks and for hauntings. Yes. And they just cast them with people who do a good job of 
of portraying those characters as portrayed by the original actors. And they look somewhat like them. Yes. But they're not concerned with the Jack one, tricking I, you. It took me a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's also because of his entrance is a little like... Because he's sure. like, he's somebody else, but then yes, he's him. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, it makes sense for the story. Uh-huh. But it's It takes a, a second to be like, oh, that's his You're dad. You're like, oh, this is actually happening. Uh-huh. Especially because we're like... As soon as we get to the Overlook, they like walk in and I'm like, oh shit, guess who's here? Guess who's haunting this place? <laughs> He's one of the only ghosts that Dan hasn't put Locked away. Up. yeah. So, uh, yeah, we were like, oh no, dad's here. <laughs> what's going to happen? Yeah. And it, so you're just sitting there on that that thought of like, what's going to happen? They really subvert your expectations though. Mm-hmm. Well, and it is interesting for him to walk through the Overlook as Most, his father. But like mostly empty. Yes. Because he goes in and all the ghosts that had haunted him there, he has put into boxes in his mind. They've come yeah. back for him. They've, they've come to find him. And so he has put them away and essentially emptied out the overlook. And basically the only ghost remaining is Jack. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he just walks through these empty hallways and it's very eerie, but but kind of beautiful. Yeah, because it's... They recreated the hotel. Yeah, they the, did a fantastic it, job. It, the shots mm-hmm. are the same. The yeah. set's the same. Yeah, they do an amazing job of... And, like, throughout the film, sort of invoking the original by just setting up similar shots yeah. and scenarios. Like, when um, Dan is being interviewed by the Reverend oh, guy yeah. and he's in the office. Like, it's just like... I was like, oh, shit. That's the job interview scene from The Shining. It's filmed exactly the same way. The room looks the same. It doesn't like call attention to itself. But if you know, you're like, shit, this is exactly, exactly the same. It looks exactly like it. Well, that's the thing about this movie. It spends two hours getting you in this new world. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, have your fun at the Overlook. Yes, we'll go back. Uh, And yeah, he has this incredible confrontation with his father because it's exactly the same scene where he walks into the ballroom and sits down at the bar, Mm -hmm. but the bartender is Jack. Yes. And you expect as a viewer, oh, it's Mm going to get all axe murder with Jack. But it doesn't. Especially because he's still his father. Uh Uh-huh. And he sees himself and what he's gone through in him Mm -hmm. and so he's like have a drink yeah he and he yeah and and, but dan is stronger than jack ever was he's stronger and he says no i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna be you i'm not gonna do that anymore and he 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 turns him down and it's so good it's Mm -hmm. so good and he doesn't have to get angry he doesn't have to get violent he's just you know jack's like hey why not fall into some old vices and dan says no Mm-hmm. I'm past that. I've I've grown as a person, and I'm gonna be stronger than you were. Yeah. Also, I have to <laughs> like fight this psychic witch lady. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I think that it I think that it all sort of tracks as a parallel because yeah. you know Dan knows that he has a responsibility to protect Abra in the way that his dad was not strong enough to protect yeah. mm-hmm. him. There's this evil force that wants to eat her up and Dan will not participate in that. He will protect her from that. And Jack couldn't do it. And he succeeds because eventually he gets injured in fighting Rose mm-hmm. and gets possessed possessed 
by all the ghosts, all the ghosts, or just his father, or all of the, them. The overlook the itself. The overlook itself. And so he's hunting her down with an axe. But it's not really him. It's, it's not really him. Overlook. He's all possessed up. And together, he, he gets is strong enough strong to fight enough to, it. To fight it with her help. And then he's like, all right. It's you get out end. of here. It's time to end this. Yes. It's my job to do this. And he burns the motherfucker down. <laughs> and it's great. Uh, yeah, they, the ghosts just eat up Rose and it's great. It's really gross too because yeah. they like fuse with her. Yeah, they're like reaching under her skin. Yeah. And I, I gotta say, it looked a little silly to me. Yeah. Like when you've got the overhead shot oh. on the stairs and it's just like this crowd of people just like, <laughs> and it's like, there they are, all the ghosts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it almost seemed too few. Yeah. Uh, so it just looked like a weird crowd. Like it was small... kind of like a little Rocky Horror too, because they're in like maids' outfits. Yeah, cause, yeah, they they're all dressed up like they like were their professions. in the yeah. yeah in the film with the you know the party goers and mm-hmm. the but it's like there were definitely were more ghosts, but they were just like, well, that would be too many, so let's just have like twelve of and, them. And not all, not all of them were necessarily as you know after Danny. Right. These are, these are the the big ones that he had to lock away. I I appreciate the kind of the storytelling there. I think it was a great move. I think it was a great end for her. It looked silly visually yeah. for these ghosts to be eating <laughs> her up. Uh, but I could live with it. And then there's also this the when she's trapped in his mind in the maze. Yeah. And she's like. Does she think she's in her own mind at first or in well, Abra's? Well, she thinks she's in Abra's mind and then Abra's like, what makes you so sure we're not in your mind? Yeah. And then it turns out they're in Dan's mind. Yeah, because obviously it's the maze. It's the maze. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Okay. At this point, I want to contrast it with Ready Player One. Yes. I'm so glad you showed me this scene. I hate it more <laughs> than anything. So I liked it when i saw it because it was the only time i had seen something like this where mm-hmm. it was like a total callback yeah uh, but I it was it, it was a very impressive recreation of the overlook hotel and it was a completely wrong soulless like, soulless thematically empty fucking <laughs> puppeting of these visual symbols i hate it i it's so thoughtless and atrocious so, <laughs> that's, but I'm so glad you showed it to me so that we can compare them because basically Ready Player One is like, and then the old lady. The elevator blood. The elevator blood and they're rushing down the hallway and, and then the, the zombie lady has an axe and she's a hundred feet tall. And it's just like, what the fuck? Do you know what The Shining was even about? <laughs> like, it's not like, oh no, the river of blood's coming. It's gonna wash us down the hallway. Like, <laughs> No, it's a symbol. It's a visual fucking metaphor. <laughs> Fuck off. Also, less impressively, that all of that is digital. Yeah, and it looks very real. It looks very real. But in this, it's all real. As, it's hard as to far tell. as we know. Yeah, it's hard to tell. And but I'll, I mean, he's actually walking around. Right. They had to have something there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they they rebuilt the sets or if they used the old sets. I don't know what they did. It looks great. But more importantly, it understands that these things are metaphors. Yeah. And it's also like, even in the, the, the leading up to that scene in Ready Player One, they're like, 
Is it, is it, is it, is it scary? scary? Is, like, was it a scary movie? But it's not. Like, it's not It's not the fucking Blair Witch Project. Yeah, it's not. And, and another thing that came up in interviews with the director was, we're not making a jump scare movie here. Period. Mm-mm. You There's mean one... the director of Doctor Sleep? Yes. We're talking about three movies right now. <laughs> <laughs> you need you need to specify. Yeah, Doctor Sleep. The director of Doctor Sleep didn't want jump scares because Kubrick didn't use jump scares. Jump scares. Because it's not that kind of movie. It's not that kind of movie. It's a upsetting and troubling. It's and it's frightening full of movie. dread. Yes. <laughs> but it's not like. It's not like. Oh no! The monster's coming. Yeah, because it's not fucking the nightmare. Monsters alcoholism. Street. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, just to see, like, to compare this really, because... Heartfelt. Heartfelt. It's, like, clearly, I mean, and, you know, Stephen King certainly understood what he was writing, and so this director understood what he was adapting. Yeah. Um, And it's all, it's all, it's metaphors, and it's symbolism, and it, it's not just a scary movie, and so... Because it's not a scary movie. I mean, it's it's somewhat there, frightening. The, I think the only part that I w- well, there were a couple parts, uh-huh. but like the most frightening part for me was when we first see him looking down the hallway to see in his new Florida home when he's still a young boy, mm-hmm. and he sees the woman in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh god, mm-hmm. <laughs> she followed him. Uh, but yes, so I I think that the crucial thing was understanding the shining and what it was about and mm-hmm. what it was for and rather than just sort of soullessly repeating these sort of mimetic ideas of like and then the blood elevator and then the old lady in the bathtub and the twins the twins are there the twins oh they're so scary it's like oh no no you you don't you didn't you don't know what this is about. You clearly don't either know or care yeah. what this is about. And Dr. Sleep knows and cares what The Shining is about. And it is talking about that. It cares, knows and cares about both Shinings. Yes. Which and is... It's pretty impressive. Very impressive <laughs> to make, like, to, like, fix what Stephen King felt was wrong. Uh-huh. And also satisfy us uh, yeah the fans of the kubrick film mm-hmm. yeah it and was really tight- want to read both books it's a real tightrope walk um and i think you know clearly didn't work for some but i thought it was very successful i'd say it does fall into a problem that i would say i mean problem uh, it's got a feature that i think a lot of stephen king's writings do have which mm-hmm. is it feels a little meandery it's quite long it's quite long and we just have these parts it's like you know, oh, now he's working in the hospice, and now but this I is... I kind of like that about it. I the don't... slow pace. I like it, but it feels kind of loose, unstructured. And mm-hmm. for some people, that can get boring or tiresome. And I think that that's just what a lot of Stephen King's writing is like. His books are this big. They're very long a lot of the time. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's just sort of part of the journey. You know, S- Stephen King is is writing about sort of experiences i understand he's not much for the uh the the outlining <laughs> so you know he gets there when he gets well, you there you can't plan that many books you know yeah he, he just, gets he just <laughs> dives in um and clearly for a lot of people that works but it definitely feels like it feels very stephen kingy in that a lot of the um criticisms i read people didn't like it 
the direction they took the movie, not necessarily the criticisms of Stephen King, mm-hmm. where they were like, it feels like a greatest hits or like, I'm like, I felt like they, in, in the hands of a less, um, careful director. Ready player one. <laughs> Ready player one. Steven Spielberg. I mean, he's not been super careful lately. You know, there was a time when he was, you know, five yeah. stars, but he's slipping. Um, it could have been, we could have just skipped all of the like character growth development mm-hmm. writing like yeah i i feel that it's all earned and it's all there for a reason and that's why i really distinguish it from ready player one it's like yeah here they are there's the twins there's the blood elevator there's the ballroom but it's like they're all we're invoking what they meant in the first place yeah. and we are addressing that it's about c- confronting those experiences yeah because the blood elevator in ready player one is this is a trap you're getting washed up in. And yuck. Just Gross. how crass. How crass. <laughs> and in um, Dr. Sleep, he has a flashback to it. Well, and Rose sees it when she goes in. Really? That's when it oh, happens. Oh, because she, she's sort she, of sensing it. Yeah, she walks in and she sees it and she's just like, hmm, how about that? Because she's Rose the Hat. And doesn't she, doesn't... she say something like, I like, kind of like this place? Yeah, something like, oh, <laughs> I like this place. Yeah, because she is... A similar being yeah. to the malevolence of the Overlook Hotel. So she sees it. She's like, nice you got trick. style there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to learn that one. Blood coming out of my hat. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, these things are all sort of addressed in their own context. Mm-hmm. So I, do, I, I, I think that it's a shallow read to say it's just trotting out the greatest hits the way the Ready Player One did. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's patient with the greatest hits. It's like... You're going to have to wait. And like it, the score doesn't even come in until they're driving up the mountain. Right. Well, it's a little bit in the, at the beginning. In the very, very beginning, we open with the Diaz Ire uh, arrangement. And we have like the, the carpet. Mm, we see the carpet. So we're just like, hey guys, here's a little but prologue. But we also start with, the flash, with a flashback too. Mm-hmm. Of like. Danny. Just and, getting away. And yeah. sort of starting a new life with his mom. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a really thoughtful story about confronting childhood trauma and growing past it and it's just fucking cool and and just like breaking cycles of abuse he says i'm not going to be abusive the way that you were dad i'm going to protect children that need protecting i'm not going to be weak like you were also i'm going to possess this little girl while she's drugged and then psychically steer this driver into a tree (laughs) that was so good (laughs) that was so good it was so satisfying yeah well the thing about his powers is he sort of has to earn his powers back by getting sober because mm-hmm. the rose sort of puts it as like oh drugs and alcohol sort of like dull or dur- tarnish dis- diseases the shine yes whereas it can you can sort of assume that a cloudy mind is you're he's intentionally doing it right he's hiding from yeah. it he, in, in he rather than facing his trauma he has put it away he's hidden it he's he's, he's like, like i running locked it up it. now let me just drink all the memories away yeah and even you know when he does get sober he's still just sort of keeping his head down and hiding from it and he's yeah. not facing it he's not confronting it he's not working through it yeah he the only thing he's dabbling in is just like calming these people as they're dying mm-hmm. so he's allowing himself a little bit but yeah it's like it 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 understands that it's not just psychic powers 
Like it is, it is your soul. Yeah. Yeah. I love well, especially it. with the the steam, mm-hmm. we see when one of the um, patients dies. You see the steam. The steam comes out of his leave. mouth. We, we, both of us were like, "What was that?" Well, I kn- I knew what it was. Oh, you did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it looked very silly. Okay. Visually, it didn't quite work. It was another one of those Stephen King things yeah. where it's like, eh, that falls a little flat. Yeah. But I I, un- I understood what it was because we had already seen the steam before. We had. I think so. I think you're right with the with girl's the, the conversion. Yes, we'd seen it with um, yeah. when when the teen got turned. Um, we saw some steam. Yeah. So like I understand. Yeah, I I I was able to put okay. that together. But it's weird, and yeah. I get why it did not strike you at first. Like, what the hell was that? Because it's but odd vi- in a weird way. Even though it's visually a little weird, it does evoke the spirit leaving the body. Mm-hmm. And so it's also you know we have the connotation of it being their power mm-hmm. so the spirit is the power so it's it's very you know it's all tied up together yeah. Mm-hmm. um and yeah dan's just able to see it because he has a shine yeah um whereas a normal person would not be able to witness the life leaving someone's body through and he mouth. could potentially use that steam as well i'm not sure in the book he uses some oh wow okay because yeah. yeah the implication in the movie seems is to that be it's the bad people yeah you have to be this type of psychic vampire yeah. thing in order to consume the steam yeah. because nobody fine. ever tries the movie yeah but in the book i think it's just sort of like a thing hmm. it's just sort of unethical <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> do we have any other thoughts about dr sleep we want to get around to anything we neglected to cover I think we talked all about the big parts. Um, We should definitely talk about the performances, though. Mm, mm -hmm. Like, Ewan doesn't... Ewan is always top-notch. Normally, because he's such a big name, sometimes he... I feel like he is a little too much the actor. Mm. When Not necessarily his performance, but, like, I perceive him too much as the actor and not as... It's part of the casting. Yeah. But in this... I felt like he was really the character. He really disappears. He really into the shrinks character. too, because mm-hmm. he's a. He's got a lot of charisma. Yeah. And he really put that away <laughs> for this. <laughs> he put part. it in a box. Yes, <laughs> uh, he does just seem like a really like sad, washed up, traumatized person. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's got his American accent. Yeah, and and Abra was very good. She was a really strong, so precocious. scary too. Yeah. And she she gets her little anime wig. Uh huh. She's a little weeb. I love that detail. That Abra is a little weeb. It doesn't come up. She just is. Yeah, love that. Um, and then the woman who plays Rose the Hat stole the show. She's gorgeous. She's perfect. I love her. <laughs> She's so cool. Also, the fifteen-year-old, she did a good. She job was, too. yeah, she was really, really good. Yeah, just everybody did a really good job. I think that mm-hmm. the uh, the actors portraying the flashback characters really did a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, because that, that's a hard job. It's a hard thing to do to like do an impression without it seeming impressiony. And and they really, I, I felt like the, the the Jack one felt a little impressiony, but that's also because he's not in it very much. He's not in it very much. And it's like, it's fucking Jack Nicholson. Like it's very hard to do Jack Nicholson without knowing Jack Nicholson. <laughs> um, but like the, the woman playing Shelly Shelley Duvall. Duvall. Oh my God. It was different enough, but it was still very good. It, you could just, the bathroom could, scene. It was almost perfect. We, we couldn't tell. And it was so quick. We, we couldn't tell if they did like a, a, a switcheroo, a switcheroo. On us. Yeah, she did an amazing, amazing job of doing that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, just incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it felt, it. they just really hit that sweet spot in between just like 
pantomiming it and doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. They did, they did a very good job with and that. And like I said, I, I, I really want to like give praise to this director because that is a tough decision to make. Mm-hmm. Because some people probably hated that about this movie. It probably turned people They're off. They're like, why didn't you just use footage from the original? Yeah. It's like, that would be gross. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. And it would, it would be jarring. It would be. It would be jarring. Yeah. To me. Because we least. know you can clean up the footage because we saw it in Ready Player, Player One. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have liked that. I think they made the right choice. Yeah. They made the right choice. It was jarring at first because we weren't sure what we were getting into for this movie. Uh-huh. We didn't know when it would start. Mm-hmm. But it starts almost immediately after The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were like, yo, is, yo. That, is, that, is that him? Is that it? Yeah, because the first shot you see is Danny on his tricycle. And, and you we're see following him, him. And it's that shot from behind for so, so long that we're like, is this real footage? Is this new footage? Is this the boy? Is this a new boy? Mm-hmm. And then you see his face and you're like, okay, it's a new boy. Yeah. It's a new boy. Uh, and he's great. He's a good boy. It's a new n- new boy in a new room. Right, because they uh, they went and used the room number from the book rather yeah. than the movie. Which is weird because they're very similar numbers. Why would you... I, you know, I once read why for Kubrick's movie they changed the number, but I can't recall... Probably because it's not a good reason. <laughs> I think... Damn. Because I think it's like... Two th- 237 is the Kubrick number, and I think it's 217 in the original. No, I think it's the other way around. Other way around? I think you're, you're right. In, in Doctor Sleep, it was 237, but in Yeah, the I think Shining, it's 214 in, yeah. in this Kubrick film. Yeah. Um, something to do with just, like, the hotel itself. I think, like, they just didn't have that room. Weird. Or they were like, please don't use that room or something. <laughs> it, it was just, it, I think it was mostly arbitrary, though it's yeah. Kubrick, nothing's arbitrary. So, yeah. Forgive me for not recalling, um, but there was some kind of reason why they made that change. Yeah. Um, but they changed it back to the book for this. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I liked it a lot. I'm glad we watched it. I was really glad to see it. I kind of want to watch it again. Yeah. 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 It's it's a long one. Be warned. It's a yeah, long... Yeah. Two hours and 40 minutes. It's a long film. Yeah. But... It didn't feel too long, though, to me. It, well, it felt its length, but I liked everything in it. Yeah, yeah. You might need a, a, a potty break or an intermission. Though. Yeah, an intermission's a good idea, um, but, I, but I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. I was literally on the edge of my seat. I was like all up here the whole time. <laughs> yeah, you really were. It was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely is a, is a solid recommendation from us to watch this film. Yeah, scary in a good way. Yeah, not too scary. Up, it, upsetting. But like... But not grossly upsetting. Yeah, yeah. the one moment that was like pretty troubling was when they're murdering that boy. Yes. It got, it was really real and really like stomach churning. That was bad. And the like seduction of the little girl, not seduction, but like when they're, she's like, I want to see a magic trick and does that uh, whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. When they're hunting. When you're not sure what's happening yet. And you're like, yeah. what is she doing? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they're capturing a little girl so they can murder her and use up all of her magic. Yeah. Eat her all up. Um, yeah, the stuff with the little children is very upsetting because it is the murder of little children. Yeah. And it just, it feels really like real and, and really dark. And it's also, I, I want to talk about um, the the 15 year old girl. I don't me- know if they I give know. her a name or not. She does have a name. I just don't remember it. They sort of refer to her as a pusher because her shine ability 
has to do with influencing people. Yeah, she can she can tell people what to do and they just do it. Yeah. Sort of mind um, control. And they find her, she is tricking pedophiles into going on dates with her and And then is like robbing and and scarring them. Yes. Which were like icon. <laughs> love it. Love that. Love but that. Then she gets seduced into becoming a vampire. An immortal psychic vampire. And then she starts using her ability to To do the exact entrap same thing she children. was fighting. Yeah. To it, entrap and murder children. Uh, yeah. It's I know. But that's I, but it's that's, great. Yeah. It's great. But and it's that's so like, sad. That's like the thing. It's not what the movie's about, but like But it's kinda of what the movie's about. Is immortality worth your soul? You know, and I do think it is what it is about. Because yeah. again, Dan chooses to overcome what was done to him and do better. Yeah. And this girl, and granted, she's, she's, when, you know, when they take her, she is 15, 15 years old. And so they sort of trick her. They, they persuade her. They seduce her into this when it's like she's betraying everything that she stood yeah. for. And they and trick her because they made it seem like oh, everything's gonna, hunky-dory. We're always You're going to be so happy and you're going to love this life. Yeah. But then... That she realizes they can die. They can die. And she's like, this is fucked up. And they're kind of a little bit starving now. Like, pickings mm-hmm. are slim. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, she, you know, I'd say she is in some ways a parallel to Dan. Yeah. In that she goes on to perpetuate the abuse that was done to her. Oh, yeah. Rather than fight against it the way that she had before. Uh, and you know, the, I think they are also paralleled in that Dan is Doctor Sleep, and he's telling people it's okay, you can go to sleep. This and is she's just going to sleep, and she makes sleep. people go to sleep. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think that parallel is there, and I wouldn't be shocked if in the book it's a little bit stronger of a parallel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good though. Yes, and I think that that's why the movie focuses on her. In you know, it's like it's in, almost in like, our introduction to them, kind yeah, of. Yeah, because it's like ultimately she's not that important. No, but we needed to understand. The true knot. Mm-hmm. And so she's our sort of window into them and serves as a foil to Dan in some ways. Yeah. Even yeah. Even though they meet, like, for two minutes. Yeah, you don't have to meet the, your foil. That's not the point of a foil. Uh, yeah, I I thought that that was pretty cool and smart. And I, I want to see in the book if that is more drawn out because mm-hmm. I think that's a cool move. If you do want to watch Doctor Sleep, I think... I'm not sure if we watched it on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's the only place it's streaming. It's probably also on. It may uh, be other places. Uh, probably on Amazon too or something. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to pay for uh, anything, um, free seven day trial of um, HBO Max is is available. Yes. To you. We and like it. That's what I started with, and then I was like, "Well, I'm too lazy to cancel it, and I might watch some stuff on it." Yeah, it seems to also be on Prime Video if okay. you have that. Yeah, um, we've been. Uh, watching Torchwood too. <laughs> yeah. So we have also been watching Torchwood. It's very fun. Uh, also a little, uh, it feels dated. <laughs> but like mostly in a good way. But sometimes. Sometimes in a, a bad Mostly way. about Owen it feels yeah. <laughs> in a bad way dated. Uh, but that's Dr. Sleep and thumbs up from us on that one. Because <laughs> that's what we're, we're a film review that's podcast. That's 10 doctors. <laughs> 10 out of 10 doctors. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 10 out of 10 doctors recommend Dr. Sleep. <laughs> All right. Let's do some recommendations. Do you, you go first. I'll go first. So 
Um, this video, this it's a YouTube video that came out um, a couple weeks ago. I finally got around to watching it. It had been on my um, watch later list for a bit. Um, it's a YouTube video from the Lit Crit guy who I am not very familiar with, but I want to check out more of his stuff. He he put out a video, a fairly long video essay titled Dracula 2020 is garbage and here's why. <laughs> so if you enjoyed our episode about Dracula, Stephen Moffat's Dracula, um, this guy sort of hits a lot of the points that we did, but explores them a little deeper. He's got some really great insight into sort of the history of Dracula and the previous portrayals of Dracula and what they're doing and why and how this fails so much <laughs> as an adaptation. Uh, and it's a great video. He's really smart and pretty funny. Um, and uh, I, I definitely recommend that if you, like us, were disappointed with Dracula. <laughs> That's the lit crit guy. Um, I have a song that I'm going to Ooh, music. recommend. Um, Orville Peck is mm-hmm. has has postponed mm-hmm. uh, his next EP until August, I believe, which I'm very sad about, but mm-hmm. for good reasons. Um, but he had a Spotify single come out called Small Town Boy. Um, it's great. And it's really good. It's a little more like synthy than his other it stuff. It feels kind of 80s, it's and very, I love it's that. It's 80s, and I like it. And it's showing us his, like... His range. His range. He has the range, he darling. Has, he has the range. Um, and, yeah, it's very, like, uh, Rumors, Fleetwood mm-hmm. Mac sort of vibes. Yeah, it is very Fleetwood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that one. It's a great song. Small Town Boy. Check it out on your Spotify. Love it. Okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Say the thing. Say the thing. That does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and elsewhere. Please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you're listening so more nerds can find us. We appreciate it, and it really makes a difference. Check us out on Twitter, at LitMeritPod, for updates and news. And that, and, and TikTok, and that TikTok that we're going to post right now. It'll be there. <laughs> if, if it doesn't show up before... If it's not there as you're listening to this, Something's maybe gone message wrong. us or something. <laughs> something will have gone Check wrong. on us. <laughs> maybe we died. Uh, thank you so much to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song, Fraud, from his album, Artificial Heart, which you should also check out on Spotify. It's a great album and I love it. Until next time, remember, here's Johnny! Here's Johnny.